good evening from Plunkhead Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 511 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology for October 28th, 2018. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, karaoke is coming to Twitch. No information seems to be coming from Apple. And some big names are not coming to the big screen. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on on one of our live streaming platforms, which are Livestream.com, Periscope, Mixer, Twitch, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, (laughs) uh, on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and the like, (laughs) oh, Uh, Through any of the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, the myriad of other podcatchers like Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher, or of course, on our apps, plugitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Like I said, this here is F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, the flagship show on the Plunkett's Live family of content. We are live Sunday nights at about 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Sometimes it changes a little bit. Uh, there are two ways that you can join us. The first is, like I said, live at, at f5live.tv slash join us. And uh, there you can chat with us in the studio during the show. Give us your feedback on the topics as we discuss them. Avram and I always love to hear what people have to say. Uh, about what we're talking about. If you cannot join us live, that's okay. PlugKidsLive.com slash subscribe will take you to uh, links to subscribe to all of our shows on any platform you can think of just about, um, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, our special events feed, first looks, and a whole lot more. Uh, with that, Avram, how are you doing? I'm good. How, uh, I'm good, not not too bad. <sighs> Not too bad. <laughs> um, you know, uh, been been working on my working on my projects. I feel like I always need more. It's like it just spirals. I think I have enough stuff to complete one of my Raspberry Pi projects, but there's just one more thing that I don't have that I need, or that it turns out like I didn't have a big enough box. So I went to oh. Micro Center around here and I got a bigger box, which is way bigger than I need. But I guess it'll. I guess it'll, you know, work with the with the giant buttons I got for putting on my thing. But then I was like, I don't know if the box will be big enough, so I got a bunch more buttons. Um, <laughs> so, boy, that and, looks like Radio Shack packaging right there. Uh, it is tactile button assortments. Huh. Does not have a name on it. Interesting. That looks just uh, like the last packaging that Radio Shack had before disappearing. And now I will share the best deal in technology with with our audience. This here is a Raspberry Pi Zero W. This is a functioning computer. Granted, I don't think most of you would want to use it as your main computer. I don't blame you. Um, neither would I. But um, it, great for like projects. Like you could put pins in it, uh, solder pins onto it, and use it to like control things. Uh, you know, fun projects. Anyway. This computer here, it has Wi-Fi, it has Bluetooth, it has a single core processor. Okay. Okay. It doesn't run Windows. So you're you not. Need gu- to... So you're not going to be uh, rendering uh, videos on this, it, is what you're saying. But this is how this is how big it is. Okay. okay? It connects via micro 
uh, via mini H mini HDMI. I'm sure you've seen these before, right? Yeah. Right, Scott. Absolutely. So, so at Micro Center, which by the way, I should say is ch- this is cheaper than Amazon. It's cheaper than the official Raspberry Pi site. It's cheaper than any place on earth that I have seen. How much does this, do you think this costs? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I was to say, I feel like you've said a r- ridiculously low price. $5. That's crazy. $5. So every time I go there, I buy one. <laughs> <laughs> which, 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 because one time I went there, I don't know if this is official store policy or whatever. One time I went there and I wanted to buy two and the guy's like, oh, we only sell you the first one for $5. The next one's $14. I was like, oh, I'll just have to come back again. So, uh, so I'll be back in an hour. Not like I need a million of these, but you know, I keep finding like, oh, if I want to do a project, like, you know, I have a couple of projects I'm working on right now. Folks who've been listening to this, maybe know that I'm close to getting done. The, um, this, uh, this thing that's going to be like a switch box that lets my coworker just switch between live, uh, feeds of webcam feeds of Scotland, his favorite place. Uh, well, we're calling it a virtual window to Scotland. So that's one. Uh, another coworker of mine wanted me to create a little box. These things are way below the capability of this because, I mean, this could really do some actual real important stuff. Sure. But it actually happens to this actually happens to be cheaper than, let's say, and smaller than, let's say, buying an Arduino right. board, which could do a lot of the same things uh, slightly more easily. Um, the. Uh, you know, he wants me to create a uh, some kind type of a box that tells him uh, how many days his his building elevator has been out. So, <laughs> so like, this is like, this is deceptively simple. I mean, I gotta get a box. I gotta use one of these. I've gotta uh, put you know pins on it. And I've gotta connect it to a little um, LED screen that shows how many days it's been. And then I and then so he can reset it if it's necessary. I had to put some some type of interface on it, like button, a couple of buttons maybe. And then it has to be programmed to like every day at midnight advance the number of days. Sure. So so not you know not the most complicated oh. project, but it, you know the hard part for me is the physical part. Like how am I gonna you know mount buttons to look nice? How am uh-huh. I gonna get the right size box? Uh, how am I gonna like take these things that I got that look like these little LEDs, these little LED uh, seven segment LEDs uh, mount them because they don't really have a, like a good way to like mount them. Do you, do you know what those are? Seven segment LEDs? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. For our audience, a seven segment LED or it could be called an eight segment LED is literally a digit from a digital clock. Mm -hmm. That is, that is what it is. If you ever had a clock radio next to your bed and it has little digital numbers, those are considered to be seven segments that may, cause that each one of those little lines is a segment and right. is actually an independent light uh, that has to be programmed. And then there's sometimes a dot between them and that would be the eighth segment. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I digress. There's probably a lot more to talk about, <laughs> but, but I love but, hearing about the crazy projects you're working on, Abram. But, I love that you've gotten into projects that it makes me but, so happy. But it's but it's something that uh, I really I really enjoy. And I, you know, 
as far as my son has patience with me because he'll like doesn't have a lot of patience to like for me to sit and try stuff. So I used to do it after he went to goes to bed. Like last night, I was up at two in the morning soldering pins because I know he get, he gets really bored when I'm doing that, and I tell him he shouldn't sit next to me or whatever while I'm doing it. All the the toxic fumes are puffing up. So, um, uh, which I'm I'm not good at it, but I'm practice. You know. Anyway, so uh, you know, these are five dollar boards. If I solder them a little messed up, I don't feel so so bad. Right, for sure. Know? It's a lot better than having like a forty dollar board and accidentally bridging contacts and you're like oh if i'm not able right. to fix that that's right so like <laughs> you know one of them i one of them i put the pins in upside down um not that that makes it ineffective you just to to, to put a plug everything into the back right and another and another one another one i put them in but like for some reason one of the pins seemed to like lurch through and was actually taller than the other ones huh. uh so I think it like it sunk through the bottom or something, All right. but it's it's still connected, and so I cut the I cut the top of it off and it's like even now, but it's not sticking out the back. Who knows? Anyway, our audience probably interested in other stuff. But uh, anyway, if you live near a micro center, which there's what are there eleven in the United States or something like that, there's not a lot, maybe yeah. fifteen of them. Although they do have a website, microcenter.com, you can order from. You can get a Raspberry Pi Zero W for five dollars. Uh, and uh, try these exciting experiments with it yourself. <laughs> Excellent, definitely, uh, definitely something worth experimenting with. Um, project boards are always fun. Uh, but anyway, let's get to some news. How's that sound? Great. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new Surface, whether the the Pro, the Go, the Book, the Laptop, uh, the Studio, all available, plus accessories, um, the Surface mouse and keyboard, or you're looking for a new Xbox, an Xbox One S or X, both available, uh, games, VR, AR, mixed reality, and a whole lot more, all available by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. All right. I know this is something that Avram and I have talked about a lot for a number of years. And it's the fact that over the last, specifically during the time that we've been doing this show, we have watched a number of electronics go from having user-replaceable and user-repairable things to being entirely sealed. Smartphones, you can't change the batteries in. Most laptops, you can't change the batteries in. Simple things you can't do, let alone if something goes wrong, you know, getting to those components is really difficult. And then on top of it, we have things like software that reports in that somebody unauthorized has made a repair to the hardware and the hardware self-destructs until wait, somebody... Wait, wait, wait. What computer does that? I, I that, That's new to me. Which one does it? The most recent generation of MacBooks, for example. It self-destructs or it just doesn't... Or it just... 
just doesn't void your warranty. Nope. It requires it requires the Apple technician software to report on the hardware that an official repair has been done before it will work again. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And but but there are other electronics that that do things like this. Uh, video game consoles for uh, a different reason uh, do it because obviously um, making alterations to a to an Xbox or a PlayStation may allow for cheating. And so, you know, there are processes in place to try and prevent um, video game consoles from having cheats added to them. Um, but then there are, you know, there are other device, there are other things that have software built into them that um, make it impossible or definitely difficult to repair yourself. Uh, just things around the house uh, or um, uh, farm equipment. It turns out there's uh, tractors and stuff that if you try and repair them yourself, um, they have things inside of them that prevent you uh, from using them until they're looked at by an official tech which is crazy to me. Um, boats and airplanes, uh, not like commercial airliners, but like personal boats and stuff like that might have them. It's been a big, big battle, right? I mean, just just the battery issue <laughs> right, is yeah. a pain for us. And um, the fact that the manufacturers have kind of bought into that idea and a number of manufacturers have started to make it more and more difficult with software to uh, make some or all of the repairs yourself is obnoxious and the way they make that happen is through a clause in the digital millennium copyright act which generally protects the right uh people <laughs> but sometimes is worded such that um things go a little sideways we know that uh until a couple of years ago uh, I could not go on Netflix and share that I was watching a particular movie because of a clause in the DMCA. <laughs> like, just, you know, sometimes it goes a little sideways. And here's one of them. Uh, it is uh, Section 1201, and it essentially prevents a lot of, of repairs, uh, smart speakers, and, like I said, tractors, all kinds of things end up getting... Uh, hit by 1201 but the good news is <laughs> the uh congress decided that uh somebody would be in charge of occasionally looking at the dmca and coming up with a list of exceptions based on real world <laughs> implementations and that review process happened recently and a whole bunch of products can uh now legally have the software on them circumvented such that if you make an unauthorized repair, you can still use your equipment. Hooray. So you now have the right to put a hack on to stop Apple's thing or, or is Apple stopped from doing what they're doing to stop you from repairing? So unfortunately computers do not fall into the exceptions. Um, because Apple's thing came about way too late uh, in the process, so they did not consider that that a computer manufacturer would do something like this. Uh, so they did not add it to the list of exceptions, unfortunately. However, um, in the list are 
Let's see. It's around here somewhere. I swear I have it. Um, hmm. I know I have it. Oh, here we go. Uh, smartphones, home appliances, home systems, which are defined uh, fairly broadly, um, but include things like boats and airplanes, uh, like I mentioned before, and tractors and things like that. Um, those are all included, but unfortunately, computers are not, which is sad. Um, it also means that uh, video game consoles are not included in the exception. So uh, you can't circumvent uh, software to like ban uh, altered consoles from Xbox Live or PSN. But the, the idea that, uh, for example... Um, let's say you're running a refurbishing business for cell phones and you get a sealed um, uh, iPhone in or an Android or a flip phone. It doesn't matter what um, you weren't you weren't allowed to unlock an unused phone. Yeah. Well, well, now you can. So now now if if somebody gets in a brand new unopened iPhone, they can still unlock it before selling it, which is a good thing. Um, there's lots of, obviously lots of good things, uh, especially for like personal repairers who like to just tinker, make changes to things. Uh, this is definitely, definitely a bonus. Uh, it does suck that, you know, that Apple thing didn't get covered, but I, I understand. They just didn't expect that anybody would ever put this uh, in place. But let's be clear with folks, uh, what what the uh, what they've exempted is your right on the on those platforms that they exempted it. I think was your right to try to circumvent the protection. Yes. What they did not do was was, and I don't think they have the authority to do right. unless like there are new laws passed right. or there's a Supreme court ruling or something. The library uh, of Congress does not have the authority to, to give people the right to repair. Right. And that's, that's what the, the terminology is right to repair. People yeah. want, I think there are maybe some state laws for this, but pe people want the, like there are specific things that people actually really want when they advocate for right to repair. They don't, I mean, obviously one thing that would fall under right to repair is don't do something that disables the device when I repair it, right. when I attempt to repair it. So like Apple's thing is the most aggressive anti right to repair mm -hmm. uh, thing I've ever seen yeah, me too. or heard of. But, uh, you know, some of the other things that would fall under right to repair are like, hey, you have to make that that some people want are like, hey, the company has to make available parts so that I can buy them to repair or, right. Hey, you know, they have to share the schematics or something. So people, although there usually are service manuals, but not, not if you can't service it. So like, right. Cause I know there are issues I think with specific, especially with Apple stuff where like you can only get Apple to repair it. And then if Apple decides that they, your thing is not eligible to be repaired, like, um, I've heard of circumstances where they decide something is like too met, if you mess with it, they won't fix it. Mm -hmm. So like, so like, and you can't take it to a, th you're not supposed to be able to take it to a third party repair 
place. So basically you got to sort of find an underground repair place who's probably buying the parts from some trash system because they don't sell. Right. Nobody sells the parts or or make the parts or some or some unauthorized Chinese knockoff manufacturer, which isn't necessarily better than a used part from a, from a trashed machine. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's that sort of, sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, um, I will always come down on the side of you should be able to take stuff apart. Uh-huh. Uh, and you would, and you know, I, I understand why a company would void your warranty for doing certain things. Sure. Like I don't want to clean up after your mess if you mess this up, but, right. um, it's certainly not at our cost, you know, yeah, that's, but that's the, the warranty void thing. I, I'm not taking on the responsibility to fix your mess at my cost. That, yes. So yeah, that that totally makes sense. Void the warranty. I'm good with that. But um, one thing that we did uh, look into a lot when I was at Laptop Mag is we did a um, every year or so we would go out and we'd survey all the major laptop manufacturers and ask them what their warranty policies were, and we had like maybe and we the one question we would ask all of them was like. Does it void? Does upgrading the RAM or or SSD void your uh, or hard drive like our storage drive void mm-hmm. the warranty? Because on on a lot of laptops you can get to the storage and you can get to the RAM and you can replace them. Right. Usually, um, usually pretty easily. I mean, not so much, not as much today as a number it, of years ago. It but. depends on, on a MacBook very difficultly and obviously the answer for them is no although right. it used to be that you could Pat right. macbook pro used to be able to do that um but most manufacturers uh most manufacturers said no it won't void your warranty uh who told us that it would uh, microsoft but on the other hand have you looked at the surfaces is there any easy way to get to the to the to the guts of your surface i bet it's if i bet it's pretty hard if you're on uh if you're watching the video and not just listening to the audio to this of this episode, listeners and viewers, um, you will see that my service book is totally sealed. There is absolutely no way to get to anything. Right. It's really it's I mean, I, I don't know how Microsoft professionally does it, but uh, professionally services them. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it's it's made in such a though their stuff is made in such a way that I could understand why they would say if you managed to get this open that we're not that you avoid your warranty Absolutely. but another company that told me they avoided that avoids your warranty which i'm really surprised and i'm not sure whether there was some confusion there although we've asked them multiple times and they've they've said yes avoids your warranty every time is is gigabyte um i find that really surprising because they make a lot of gaming notebooks that have you know pretty easily accessible uh ram and storage i mean um and, and- and, and all the and they know who their target demo is, right? Right, right, exactly. So like uh, all the other, all the major, you know, gaming notebook manufacturers understand that people are going to upgrade, and they even sometimes kind of pitch it at people, like, "Look, we have an extra slot, yeah, for another SSD, another SSD for you." Yeah. So um, the uh, the laptop that used to be <laughs> the sc- the computer that powered uh, your screen. Um, shipped with uh, dual slots in it. Yeah, so you know it's. Uh, but yeah, most of them, I think most of them said yes. You can 
you can upgrade your your RAM and your storage. But sure. if you break something while you're doing it, then you're out of luck. But sure. if you if you do it and then something else in the computer breaks later, uh, you know, and we figure out that you you know that you replace the RAM and storage, then uh, then we're you know, I mean, they're not going to void your warranty, but they um, sure. So unless you uh, try and do it while it's on and the, the problem that they find is that there is an electrical short in the system or now, there's there are I, I almost certainly you, exceptions. I will tell you that if I did that and my and my I upgrade my RAM and my computer broke later, I would uh, keep the original RAM and then put it back in before I shipped it in for for uh, for service. Uh huh. I sent that laptop uh, that I was mentioning in for service on two separate occasions, and that second hard drive came out both times. Yeah, exactly. Why, you know, why why risk it? Why have them see it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, and, at least this is a step in the right direction. The yes. Library of Congress has done what they can. Um, this isn't the first time that they've uh, added to the to the exceptions um in their last review which would have been three years ago uh we got the ability to uh, unlock used phones uh, which was a big deal um and to uh cross cross tech them if if uh if the hardware had radios for both cdma and gsm you could cross tech them which was a, a pretty big pretty big deal especially since uh, Apple produces all of their phones cross tech so you know you could buy one from Verizon on CDMA and take it to T-Mobile on GSM which was so that was the last last batch this one I think uh, is less broad but certainly uh, more important uh, to a lot of people This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're uh, building a new computer or upgrading an existing one, assuming maybe you have a laptop that has the ability to upgrade the RAM or <laughs> hard drive, or you've got a PC that you need a new video card, uh, all of that is available from Newegg and a wide variety. And the thing that I find most interesting is their daily deals. The They've been doing some really interesting stuff. Right now, they've got a, uh, a really powerful gaming PC that's normally $22.49 on a daily deal for $16.49, which, you know, that's a huge savings. Uh, but it changes every day. Monitors, PCs, and sometimes you'll find uh, weird stuff like a bread maker. And I'm not making that up. That's on there right now. All of that is available by going to pilchpoint.live slash newegg. I love that there's a bread maker on here. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Avram, you're making some noise. Some noise usually means that you've got something to show us. Yes. So, so I present to you an intriguing device. <laughs> Intriguing is the, are the words I will use. Is the word I will use. This 
which the color is not quite coming through on uh, how nice it looks on uh, on the camera. But this is the Samsung Galaxy Book 2 2-in-1. It comes with the keyboard, which is just like the Surface detachable keyboard. Okay. Uh, it comes with a stylus. Although I must say, no, this is not the stylus it comes with. Sorry. It comes with a stylus that is about that size, but is completely plastic, not metal. This is actually like the good surface pen. Um, and, uh, it's $999 and, uh, it's coming out November 2nd. Now those are the, the most basic facts that what makes this, uh, two in one stand out is it is the first tablet to hit the market or the first two in one, the first device to hit the market, at least as far as we know. And in the U S uh, with the, Qualcomm Snapdragon 850 processor. Uh, so, it, and, but it is running Windows. So it is Windows on ARM. Uh, now, folks may remember back in not that long ago in the spring, the first Windows on ARM laptops came out and they were powered by another Qualcomm chip, the Qualcomm Snapdragon 835. This is the 850, so it's supposed to be faster and fix and deal with some of the problems that the 835 had. So what's what were the problems and did it fix them? Well, the promise of these Snapdragon computers, which uh, which Qualcomm calls always always connected PCs, and they say always connected because they have built-in 4G, and uh, they wake from sleep pretty fast. Uh, and so the idea, and they also use... Uh, have uh, Microsoft's uh, connected connected standby, although so do several Windows laptops. So I mean, as, I'm sorry, several Intel-powered Windows laptops. Um, so um, and they're they're powered by by Qualcomm. Now it's great that Qualcomm is getting into the PC business because that brings a new level of competition to uh, the duopoly of Intel and AMD. Uh, although it's, as a duopoly, Intel actually has a much, much larger share, but AMD, you know, AMD still makes a fair number, their fair number of, of x86 chips. Uh, so uh, the fact that Windows now runs on these processors is, is great, uh, but there's a limitation. Because these processors were made to, were, are, are ARM um, and not, x86 which is the type of processor that intel and amds are they can't they have to run an emulation mode to run regular windows 32 apps and what's a regular windows 32 app for those who don't know it's any program that you don't download from the windows store if you downloaded it from a, from somebody's website and you clicked an installer and it installed then that is a win32 app and that is not and that has to be run through emulation so there are a lot of issues with the performance of those apps uh so one so for example chrome browser the most popular browser in the world uh is not in the windows store so it has to be run in emulation and guess what it's sluggish so um when i run now it was much worse on the 35 but i'll tell you uh, running with about a little over a dozen tabs open and um, and a YouTube video playing 
there was a lot of lag and like the video could be okay. But then if I click to change tabs, uh, that it would take like two or three seconds for the tab to redraw now. And then a couple of times switching back and forth too quickly between things, the system would like freeze for a few seconds. So, you know, that can happen on any computer that's overwhelmed, but, uh, this was overwhelmed on edge, uh, on the edge browser, which is, you know, uh, designed to work with these processors. It was a little bit better. Uh, didn't really freeze, but it, you know, redrawing was still a little slow. And then keep in mind that this thousand dollar laptop has four gigs of Ram and a 128 gigabyte, uh, storage drive. So not exactly high end, high end specs to go with this processor that already is having trouble because a lot of things run through emulation. Right. Um, and then, and then there's some things that you just can't run at all because they're not available. This cannot run 64 bit apps. So Photoshop, Photoshop, any kind of Photoshop or Photoshop elements, um, is 64 bit. There is in the windows store, the, I think it's Photoshop express, which is a free sort of really neutered editor. Uh, so you could run that, but you know, you can't, you can't run like the, the, the paid stuff. Um, there, I, I like to use, need to use, uh, for work, an app, a VPN client called OpenVPN. Mm -hmm. OpenVPN cannot run on this. OpenVPN has a 32-bit version, but it installs its own little uh, driver. And the, a lot of most drivers, for software drivers like that, not compatible with, uh, with, with the Qualcomm processor. So it just won't install. So... There's while there's a uh, while the Windows Store has gotten better and there's a lot more stuff you can download download from it. Um, there's still a lot of limitations with with this now. So you've got this meh performance at best at best with like apps that work well on it. You've got but you do have some wonderful things about the hardware. This screen is an OLED screen and it is absolutely beautiful. It is 200%. It covers 200% of the sRGB gamut. This keyboard here that comes with it, unlike the Surface Pro where you have to pay under $29 extra, is actually really good. Like it, it, it's pretty snappy. Nice. Uh, and it comes with a stylus. Uh, and the cameras, you know, I don't know how many people are taking photos with their with their tablet. Cameras are pretty good too. Uh, the eight megapixel rear camera took really nice pictures. The five megapixel front camera was better than pretty much any webcam I've used built in on anything. Nice. So it gets a lot of, uh, you know, the sound is pretty good. It gets a lot of things right. The battery life is okay, but not the level that you would expect from one of these Qualcomm chips that, you know, they promised, you know, over 20 hours of battery life. And right, this got, right. uh, well, I don't know if they said over 20 for this, but Various times they promised a ridiculous amount of battery life from these Qualcomm processors. This lasted 10 hours on our battery test. Uh, so the problem here is what this cannot possibly be. Uh, they're not marketing it as a secondary device. So if someone from Samsung were here or, or Qualcomm or Microsoft, they would probably say, no, this is meant this is, a, you know, someone could use this as their only computer. I disagree. I think the only way that you could ha you buy this device is if it's not your only computer and you have a good computer waiting for you at home. 
you, mm. you know, if you've got a desktop waiting for you at home and you need something to take with you on the train every day, to, uh, you know, to do some writing and review some web pages or whatever, uh, you know, this could fill that job. Uh, but would you fill that job for a thousand dollars? Right. Would you spend a thousand dollars on a secondary device? Um, if you say, well, wait a second, not everybody cares about performance as much as you, Abram, you, you're editor for Tom's hardware. Of course you care. You know, what about, what about, what about my mom? Listen, I, I, I couldn't disagree with that more. People who are not the most tech savvy or not the most, um, you know, into performance per se, have the least amount of patience for things uh, that don't work. Yes. That that's where that's where people get it wrong every time. Listen, my mom is not going to use handbrake to compress to com, to transcode and <laughs> you know, now I now I should take the like the say what I'm talking about. I talk about my mom cuz it used to be when I was growing up and you know, people always say, "Well, will that work for my mom?" Now, you know, we've got generations of people who are very computer literate who are people's mothers. So let's, so when I say my mom, I mean someone who did not grow up, who, who is in their seventies or eighties and did not grow up with computers, uh, and is a bit and can use them, but is not, is not technically astute even after using them for a long a number of years. Sure. Um, so, you know, when I talk about that, like my mom would not, you know, would not need fantastic performance she would not be playing you know she would not be playing high-end game you know witcher on here she would not be uh transcoding a video on here uh but you know what she would be doing she would be surfing the web and she would be writing documents mm -hmm. and when and when she was clicking on things and something didn't happen for five seconds she would think something was really broken she wouldn't say oh this is an ARM processor, so I guess I have to live with some lag. Right. People who don't know a lot as much about technology have less tolerance for poor performance mm -hmm. because they don't expect it and they don't know why it's happening, so they can't excuse it. You know, right. that's why I can, getting back to the earlier part of our show, have a $5 computer here. And I know that it's not going to run stuff super well when I'm browsing the web on it because it's a $5 computer. Right. But if I gave this to my mother, she would not take it with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. She would, If she clicks an icon and something does not start loading immediately, she would start clicking it again because she doesn't – she thinks that it's not working, right? Because she expects things to work. So – you just described so, my mom. That was so funny. But I'm not I don't I don't blame them. Like you should expect things to work. So we should never we I just want to break that paradigm that people have that yeah. people who are not as tech savvy or not as tech enthusiastic as say someone like me don't care about performance. They they don't care about doing things that require necessarily right. pushing your computer to its limit. Right. They're not going to overclock they're not, but they care they're not doing deeply. things. They're not doing things like, you know, my machine in the in the office has been running its eight cores at a hundred percent capacity for the last two hours rendering video. But they're not doing stuff like that. But they do expect they see other people 
double click a thing and a thing happens. And when it doesn't do that for them, they don't understand. They think that they've missed something or that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so I have to tell you, I took this $999 computer and I put it side by side with its number one competitor, the surface, the surface pro six, uh, which actually does not cost that much more than this and could cost about the same depending on what you configure it with. Mm. So the, the, the surface pro six with a core I five processor, eight gigs of Ram and a one and on one twenty eight SSD, which is a real SSD. This uses, uh, I think it's called EUFS, uh, that EUFS file system, which is not, uh, EUFS storage, the same kind that's in cell smartphones. So not quite as fast as a real SSD. Um, so you can get all of you can get that surface for nine hundred dollars. Now nine hundred dollars comes without the keyboard. So figure another one hundred twenty nine dollars for the keyboard. Now you're up to ten twenty nine. And if you want the pen, which you could live without, but let's say you want the pen because you get it with this for free, that will be eleven twenty. You'll be spending one hundred twenty nine dollars more to get a surface with the same keyboard and pen. And yet you'd be getting eight gigs of Ram. You'd be getting much, much, much better performance. Now you wouldn't get the built in 4 G, which, uh, you know, is nice, is very nice to have, but I think most people would rather tether it to their phone and get, and, and have web pages load quickly because, mm-hmm. because the web browser is not being overwhelmed by the, the processor can't handle the load or it's out of Ram, uh, because you've got 10 tabs open. So, you know, I think, uh, I, th- I think this is, you know, I would not recommend somebody buy this if it were, let's say on some, somebody gave it to you for free or it was on sale for five, $600, you might make a case that like, wow, the screen is really nice. Uh, I could use this as a secondary device. That's where the surface go fits in, mm-hmm. which is like a starts at $400 and is 10 inches and, Frankly, that should probably not be anyone's main computer either. It's not. It's not very powerful. It at least can run everything because it uses an Intel processor. But you know, it's 10 inches, which is not adult sized for 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 regular everyday use. Yeah. And it's uh, you know, and it's got a low power processor. So, you know, there's a market of these devices that are secondary devices. Uh, but my question my question to the manufacturers and to our listeners is like, who's it for? Would, how much would you pay for a second computer when you, uh, because you would not be happy if you bought these as your main computer mm-hmm. and for, for less money, you could get something better. Like if you don't want a two in one and you like a thousand, $999 is all you have to spend and you can't spend the extra $1,100 to get a surface pro, you could buy like a Dell XPS 13. You could buy, uh, you know, a bend back two and one or something that is much more powerful than this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I just, I cannot foresee a situation where somebody could, would use this as their primary computer. And so, you know, who, who wants it as their secondary computer? And if you want it as your secondary to spend a thousand dollars on your secondary computer, then you must have enough money to spend another hundred dollars and get the surface pro. So like, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't quite get it, but it seems like there's a trend now of things that are that are sort of secondary devices that are expensive. This uh, this, this same week, 
We saw uh, Lenovo's new Yoga Book, mm-hmm. which ha- does not have a real keyboard. It has an e-ink keyboard that is completely flat and has no tactile feedback whatsoever. Um, you wow. know, and it's made for note taking because you can. It's made for note taking, and it's a thousand starts. It's a, it starts a thousand dollars. Well, again, note taking is great, would, but that's not going to be your only computer, probably. So. Are you going to spend a thousand dollars on a note-taking computer? Right. I don't know. That's my two cents. Yeah, that we. <laughs> it, it's it seems like a device that exists for technology's sake and not necessarily for um for any particular consumer. It it definitely seems bizarre. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, oh, I mean, I, I've asked around and people are like, oh, what about it? Corporate executives. If you're a corporate executive, you're not getting, like, first of all, your company's probably going to push you to get whatever the business gets. And businesses mm-hmm. buy, De- buy, buy Dell, Lenovo, HP, or right. maybe sometimes Apple. Right. So, you know, that's, this is not going to be what they, they don't, they're not going to equip the office with Samsung's and then give the executive the high end one. Um, like they do with, let's say Dell's where maybe executive might get like the XPS 13 while the, the, while the, the proletariat gets like the, the latitude, the clunky 15 inch latitude that nobody wants or, you know, um, or the Lenovo where maybe the executive gets like the X one yoga and the, the, uh, the, the, the line workers get like, you know, a, a T T four eighty or something. But, but like, you know, so, and also if you're an executive, I guess that means that you're getting the most expensive stuff just, just cause the company's paying for it. So you're going to get something fancier than this, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to get, you're going to find, you're going to get, maybe you'll get a surface book, right? You know, like you're going to get something that's that, that run, you're certainly not going to want to compromise on performance, you know, yeah. even if you're an executive that doesn't know what you're doing. You're st- you're gonna be you're gonna be calling. If I was IT department, I wouldn't let you because you're gonna be calling me saying, "Hey, I tried to install this program and it didn't work." Uh huh. Or, "Hey, the company's VPN doesn't work on this thing because it only runs 32-bit apps." Mm-hmm. So, like, I I don't see who it's for. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, you have one, so that means that uh, we're probably gonna be either going to be or have already heard. Something official on it from you? Yes. Our review went up on Friday. Excellent. I should say that. I sh- I, yes. My review is on tomshardware.com. And despite the fact that I told you I don't recommend it, uh, there's still some interesting things to read about it. Sure. And, and the technology behind it. So uh, I do encourage people uh, to check out my review on tomshardware.com of the Samsung Galaxy Book 2. Fantastic. Well, um, always appreciate... Uh, info on devices like this especially bizarro world devices where i interestingly i'm doing a review right now on a product that i don't understand why it exists so i totally i totally get it you're like i don't get it but i get why I get why Qualcomm wants to make PCs. Uh-huh. I get why people are interested. I am interested in seeing Qualcomm make a successful PC that runs all my apps. Absolutely. But if you're coming into the market with something that is kind of 
has some issues because it can't run everything, don't make it more expensive than stuff that has no issues. Mm-hmm. Come into the market with a humble price point because you know that people are having to take a risk on your technology and take a and and and, and are going to have to live with drawbacks. That's like the Chromebooks. Now they have high-end Chromebooks, which I also don't understand. Uh, but at least when the technology was getting started, and for most people who buy Chromebooks, it's two, three, four hundred dollars tops. Yeah, it's cheap because they know, hey, this doesn't do everything that a full-fledged PC does. Therefore, yeah. we won't ask people to pay as much for it. Right now, granted, they use some fancy components. But that's like putting a gold golden chassis on a Yugo engine. Like it's still <laughs> not performing. So like, I don't care if you tell me, oh, I have to charge you a thousand dollars because it costs so much money to put the OLED screen in it, and it costs so much money to make it in this form factor. And you don't understand this. We're not, you know, making a little big margin off of this. Good for you, but this is business, not charity. Consumers don't grade on a curve. They don't come and say. Oh, it costs you $800, so I guess I should just pay you 1000 for it. Like, it doesn't matter how much it costs you. It matters to make it. It matters what the value is to me. And the value of a secondary device is, for most people, not $1,000. Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> love the perspective. Um, having been down the arm road, not quite the same way, but I can definitely... Oh, I can commiserate. Um, thank you for for bringing this thing, and uh, definitely, people, go check out uh, check out the full review. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Oh, you may or may not be able to hear me right now. It's okay. Uh, um, all the accessories that you need to up your game, whether it be on PC or console, are all available from Razer. Uh, whether you're looking for uh, a gaming keyboard or a great mouse, uh, like the one I use here in the studio, uh, or you need a webcam that has built-in chroma key capabilities or you want a full uh, laptop that's designed specifically for gaming you can get all of it by going to f5live.tv slash razor what I would like is for my internet to stay up anyway that's not what we're going to talk about uh, instead we're going to talk about an interesting partnership that was announced at um, uh, TwitchCon this week, which is a partnership between Twitch, which obviously we know is uh, the leader in video game streaming and definitely the most active of the um, the video game communities. And Harmonix, uh, definitely the name today in rhythm games. If you've been watching the show for a while you might remember that my top recommendation for holiday gifts last year was 
drop mix that came from harmonics um this relationship is an interesting one uh they're working on a game called twitch sings which is a twitch powered karaoke game i suppose if karaoke was going to work uh online it would definitely be a combination of Twitch and harmonics that would make it work. Uh, we all remember um, Rock Band, which is where harmonics made their name, uh, had a vocal. One of the quote unquote instruments was vocal. And uh, that worked pretty well, especially when you go back as far as, uh, as Rock Band. And uh, if you're going to get people involved... Seems like Twitch is the place to do it. I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Wait. So here's here's my question to you. Why uh -huh. does Twitch need? Why does Twitch need to be officially involved in this effort? Can't you already stream karaoke games? Sure. You could do karaoke yourself on it. Um, with I mean, can't you stream any game you want on Twitch? So yeah. why couldn't you just stream Rock Band or sure. uh, or another like SingStar? I, I don't know what people are are playing these days. I <laughs> SingStar, mean, we, wow. We used to play that on the PS2. I think it was SingStar. Uh -huh. Um, but uh, it, what what makes it what makes what's the special sauce in this that makes it better than just streaming a regular uh, whatever other karaoke games are out there sure great question um first yes you can stream anything on twitch including our show um so yes you can literally stream anything it doesn't matter whatever Whoop. so yes you could grab another karaoke game and go where this game comes in according to uh twitch and harmonics is that uh it's designed specifically to leverage Twitch, like for example, um, say you're a popular streamer. It's probably not the case. Let's say you become popular for this game. I can't imagine the guys that are doing Super Mario Brothers uh, speed runs are going to be singing karaoke. So let's say you get popular for doing this this game, um, and you have people watching. Well, the you can invite the people watching into the game with you to do duets and things like that directly from your uh, Twitch uh, channel, which means that you don't have to add them on, you know, PlayStation or Xbox or something like that. You can keep your, your gaming environment separate and, and still involve your, your community in the thing. Essentially what this is is this is twitch trying out the things that make mixer special uh that's what i see i see this as twitch's first attempt to really get into the the secret sauce that makes mixer interesting which is the can ability can you do a duet yes absolutely you can and you have you it requires no connection outside of twitch which i think is an important aspect of it. That's yeah. see, that's interesting because yeah. then you have people singing with each other. So that's that's something I don't think uh, you know. That's that's pretty cool. Singing uh, with each other remotely, which is I right, think exactly. even more interesting. 
And I imagine since it's Twitch, you'll be able to to like split stream, you know, the the people involved. So that I think is really interesting. And that's really, you know, the thing that has always made Mixer, be, you know, even before Microsoft got involved, the thing that made Beam interesting uh, was the ability for developers to build the community into their games. There are there are games where literally you can ask the community to make a decision for you or to to uh, impose a restriction on your game that you then have to live with. Uh, and so this is Twitch literally saying we want to involve the community in the way this game is played, which is really the secret sauce of Mixer. So I think... I think they've finally realized that Mixer has an interesting concept and want to give it a shot. And, you know, a rhythm game, karaoke, you don't have to be good at it. You know, the joke is that karaoke is Japanese for tone deaf. So you don't, you don't even have to be good at it for the experience to be fun, especially for somebody watching. The better if you're not. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I could see this becoming like I bet you it's already somewhere like American Idol where people are getting voted up and down. I can't I can't wait. Obviously, obviously, being the founder of DDR Lover, um, I have a I have a particular place in my heart for rhythm games, which is one of the reasons I was so excited with Drop Mix last year. The idea of a new genre of music game was fascinating to me and so the idea of a new take on a very old concept uh is interesting too i can't wait to see it uh in action uh i'm not gonna lie i'm a little sad that it's switch and not mixer um only because i find the community over on mixer more interesting uh but i definitely want to see this thing in action and i wish i could see it yesterday not gonna lie, <laughs> I, you're not gonna hear me singing, but <laughs> but I will. Uh, I I do look forward to seeing this thing in action. Uh, we don't know when, where, or how we will see it in action, but it was on display at TwitchCon, so hopefully that means that it's far enough along that uh, we'll see it soon. But who knows? We literally don't know. Uh, there is a private beta that will be starting. Uh, yeah, I don't have a date. It will be starting soon, I think is what they said, quote unquote soon. Anybody can sign up, but they're going to choose a very small number of streamers to participate. Um, if you want to sign up, the link is over at pluckitslive.com. Cool. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the professionals do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Mike, uh, Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for uh, Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities, such as Terror in the Wax Museum. I apologize, I couldn't even say that name with a straight face. 
that one sounds terrible, which makes it wonderful. The way it usually works is for a couple of bucks, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to live. That one, I have no idea where it might live. Uh, and laugh. Uh, from time to time, they do some live events. Hopefully, we will see some uh, coming up in the new year. Uh, but they also have short films, uh, industry films like The Wonders of Springs, or those uh, educational films that your teachers used to show you in elementary school, they make fun of them all. And to find out what short films and what full-length features are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash riff tracks with an X. <laughs> Terror in the Wax Museum. I don't even know what to do with that. Experience it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely my plan. That is almost certainly going to be my uh my halloween movie for the year because that sounds terrible anyway uh oh uh obviously we know that the cloud is the thing right it's almost impossible to survive today without some sort of web-powered uh service and we also know that when one of these services goes down the internet makes noise we remember not long ago, I believe it was last week, uh, YouTube went down for about an hour. And uh, if you watched Twitter, you would believe that um, we were all waiting for a nuke to drop because of the uh, doom and despair that the internet felt from about an hour of YouTube outage. Uh, so, oh, no. So normally we... Uh, <laughs> We know immediately when something goes down, especially something, quote-unquote, essential like YouTube. Well, this week, uh, something else that technologically is probably far more essential uh, went down, and that was iCloud. If you're surprised to be hearing that information right now, you are not alone. Because nobody uh, talked about it. It was down for 12 hours, and in there was mail, calendar, and even sign-in. So if you were a developer trying to uh, get to the developer portal to update your app, nope. If you were trying to sign in to a phone or... Uh, God forbid you were trying to configure one of your brand new devices... Nope, couldn't do it, and yet nobody talked about it, including Apple. On their status page, they mentioned, you know, there was a there was a comment that some users might be experiencing slower connection times, but the service was fully inaccessible for twelve hours, and well, Apple has said nothing about it. Well, that is weird. Here's the interesting question. How do we know for a fact that it was completely inaccessible? Did somebody do like global tests to make sure that it didn't work in every country in the world uh, and in every part of it? Or was it or is it just that no ever, lots and lots of people reported it not working? Uh, so uh, a number of security firms uh, tested against the, I think, 52 uh, data centers uh, across the globe. Yeah, it, you just have so to know they, that the data center is inaccessible. 
Uh, right. So they know exactly which 52 data centers Apple uses. Yes. Um, uh, because of like developer contracts and stuff, the information about uh, the iCloud, uh, the Apple cloud services are known. Yeah. Ah. It's just like I know where all all 56, I think, of the Azure servers are. There's a map of them. That's that's good. That's good to know. Um, I've been admitting my ignorance here, not knowing that you could actually find out where companies have their data center, all all of their data centers. You can't uh, necessarily get an address, but yeah. you can certainly get a like a service ring of, <laughs> you know, where the servers are. And like, I know, obviously, I, I live more on the Azure side of things than, you know, AWS or iCloud or Google Cloud. Um, but I know that. Like, there's a whole list of all of their names and th what city they're in. You know, East 2 is in D.C. and East 1 is in, uh, I think, Atlanta or something like that. And there's, you know, Northeast, which I think is outside of New York City. And, yeah, they there's a whole list of where all the data centers are. So you just ping against them. And when you get a, a dead ping for 12 hours. <laughs> That is an inaccessible data center. And, you know, you try to sign in and it wouldn't work. I noticed it because I was working on a publish that day and I noticed that our uh, our security keys weren't building correctly. And uh, so I went looking and it's like, oh, you might experience slow times. No, that no, that's not what I'm experiencing. I'm experiencing nothing working at all. Um, I just find it interesting that there's been no, like, nothing about it uh, from Apple. Normally, when a company is this tight-lipped, it indicates something bigger that they're trying to figure out. And in this case, it could have been some sort of a coordinated attack that they turned their servers off to prevent. That, I mean, Microsoft and uh, Amazon have both had that problem where they've they've had to shut down at least part of the system because of a coordinated outside attack. Uh, I think the obvious answer to this is no company wants to publicize the fact that they've had an outage right. or that they've had a security breach. Uh, having an outage, however, uh, is something they can probably get away with not publicizing as much as the, the security breach. Sure. Cause oh, if yeah. people's data has been exposed then they kind of have a duty and can be sued or whatever to uh, to tell them that, hey, your data might have been stolen. But uh, an outage is very easy to downplay or conceal mm -hmm. because sure. of doing just what they did. Instead of being straightforward and saying, yes, all of our stuff was down for 12 hours, um, they could just say, oh, some users are, may have experienced slowness. Uh -huh. Well, some users. So if unless I've seen this report that you've seen, you know, about the all the data centers mm -hmm. or read a headline that, that's talked about that, um, you know, if, if it doesn't blow up in the news and people or people aren't paying attention to the right. news, like you just assume that you were one of the the some people. Yeah. Oh, maybe it was me. Yeah. You know, maybe it was my connection. Yeah. Maybe it was my connection. Maybe my service provider had trouble. 
you know, there's there's so many like there's so many vagaries when uh-huh. something doesn't work on the Internet. Right. To say that. To, so you do need that's why I asked the question about how do you know, because you do need to do that type of scientific uh-huh. pinging of data centers to know that things are really down and that it's not some other link in the very long chain between you and that provide and, and that service. Right. Um, because for those who don't know, um, you know, the way the internet works is, uh, is not peer to peer. Even when you're doing peer to peer, it's not peer to peer. Uh, because you know, like when I send Avram an email, it goes from my device to my email server and then relays across however many email servers it takes and then eventually lands on Avram's server and then gets pushed to his phone. There can be dozens of hops <laughs> from the time it leaves my device till it, re- it ends up at his. So, you know, where's the problem? Well, was my phone on Wi-Fi? Maybe it was Spectrum. Is it on <laughs> or was it on cellular? Maybe it's my carrier. It could be gmail's down it could be you know it could be one of the hops that we don't have we don't deal with directly some somewhere in between exactly there are so many possible points of failure with the internet which is one of the reasons why uh i know avram always got mad at blackberry messenger which or blackberry in general which added a whole extra layer of of failure on top of the already complicated network. Um, yeah. Trust us and only us to manage all your email. <laughs> yeah. Everything that matters has to go through us. So if we go down, there's no way around it. Uh, yeah. so yeah. Um, yeah, you just assume, you know, eh, something in the middle's down. It'll come back later. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought it was interesting that even Apple, nobody was talking about it, you know, because it, it was photos and drive and mail and calendar and find my phone. like. So I have a question for you because I don't know if there's an answer to this. Okay. And, you know, and maybe you don't know the answer either. But sure. I bet our, our, our listeners would love to know. I would love to know. Is there any way of getting some type of a public statistical record of how often different cloud services have been down of reliability? Wow. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, just, I guess the question is, is, who's studying it? Because I don't think that they're publicly disclosing this stuff. Right. Which, and, which is why you usually get these reports from uh, security firms. Right. They don't want you to. They don't want you to know. So, right. and 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 this was a global outage, but something else might might not rise to that level. Maybe only people who lived in this part of the United States Absolutely. couldn't get it for. Uh, so when AWS went down after the hurricane a couple of years ago and Netflix didn't work, but only in parts of the country. Right. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'd be, I, it would be really interesting for, I think businesses to know yeah. and consumers to know and everybody to know, like who's over a period of time, a year or multiple years, like who, whose service mm-hmm. experienced the most outages and the least outages. Boy, that would be fascinating information to put together. I want to know if that's out there too. Um, if anybody knows any sources on that, please let us know. Uh, you know, lots of ways to con- contact us, find us on social media. Let us know if you know there are sources. I know 
I know that there's a tracker for PlayStation Network and Xbox Live. Um, there's got to be more than that, though. And it would be really interesting to put all that information together. So let us know if you know of sources like that, because uh, Abram and I, I think, have an idea. This week's DRM not included in F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know you get free shipping, sometimes same day, sometimes two hour, depending on where you are. But there are a lot of other benefits for those of you who already have Prime. You get Amazon Prime Music, which is several million tracks available to stream for free. Uh, you also get Amazon Prime Video, which gives you all kinds of content. Uh, movies, TV shows, documentaries, and original content as well, plus the ability to add uh, external channels uh, like Showtime and HBO, uh, all as part of your subscription. And then uh, you also get Twitch Prime, which is my favorite right now. You get one free uh, Prime subscription on Twitch, which you can use to subscribe to our show or any other channel. Uh, and you get free games. Just like an Xbox Live and PlayStation Network, every month you get free games available for as long as you're a member. Uh, and the games have been great. Um, Psychonauts was on a while ago, which I am still playing back through because it's one of my all-time favorite games. Um, but we've put together a list of some of our favorite features by going to f5live.tv prime. And if you're not already a subscriber, we also have a link on there to give you a free 30-day trial right now. And again, that is f5live.tv slash prime. So this week wasn't a great one for fans of the big Disney, uh, uh, the big Disney franchises. Uh, real quick, I would like to thank I can't read it from here because the back color on the monitor is turned down a lot. Uh, but whoever just started following us on Mixer, thank you. Um, not a great week for uh, for the big franchises at Disney. Uh, both Star Wars and Marvel saw uh, problems with a film officially announced this week. Uh, we'll start with Star Wars. We know that Star Wars has had its share of its share of trouble uh, since Disney took over, whether it be way too many films coming out and just their Star Wars fatigue or the writing has gone sideways or Avram is shaking his head furiously. Go ahead. No, you finish. I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> Whatever it is, um, it's been, it's been a challenge for them. And, and uh, the last film, uh, Solo, certainly uh, was not the box office success that they were hoping for. And we know that they uh, have reevaluated <laughs> what they're working on. And this week we found out that the as yet untitled Boba Fett film is dead. Um, and they're going to put all of their, uh, their focus into the Mandalorian. Uh, yeah. Mandalorian which is their one of their two animated series that they're working on right now. Wait a sec. I thought it's that's going to be live action, isn't it? Oh, I thought that was one of the 
It might be. I might get the wrong one. I thought that was. I'm pretty sure that one is live. That's this. That's the streaming one from John Favreau. Yes. Yes. Yep. 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 You're right. I apologize. Star Wars isn't my thing. Hmm. <laughs> well, Star Wars is my thing. I know. So. So. Which is why I was trying to to divert to, to you. I'm wearing a Star Wars shirt. You Star are. Wars shirt, in fact, and it wasn't on. Uh, I mean, I know I didn't know we were going to talk about this. I was sure on, but anyway. Man, have some faith. Have some faith in yourselves. Well, listen, <laughs> I don't think, I actually don't think that it's surprising at all that they would cancel the Boba Fett movie that was never really official anyway because uh, they're coming out with a TV show about a similar topic. Uh-huh. Mandalorians is what Boba Fett is, is a Mandalorian bounty hunter. So, uh, it seems like maybe they would think that that's that's a little bit too much to have one about him and then the show, which maybe the show will have a minute. I don't know. I'm not sure. Could be. Maybe not. But but I'll certainly have people who have a similar armor. Um, and uh, let's not forget that they had Mandalorians in, in, in the Rebels cartoon. So maybe they're Mandalorian out or something. But could be I I. I, I think they were really too quick to um, say that they're pulling the plug on these um, anthology mm-hmm. movies. First of all, they've had one movie that was, I guess it didn't make back all the money that it was going to, but but Solo did fairly. I mean, it's not like nobody went to see it. Right, right. I went to see it. It's not like it was a bad movie. It was fine. It was good. I mean bad movie try watching try watching uh, the phantom menace again um you know try watching a a, a role of jar jar uh, i mean <sighs> you know highlights of jar jar like lucas still doesn't understand why nobody likes that character i'm i'm sorry i mean <laughs> i i love george lucas but he's gonna have to disagree um the the all the Disney made Star Wars movies. I know there's be purists to disagree. That's fine. We'll agree to disagree. I think they've all been good. I think they've all been good. I think, I mean, you know, I mean, I think the last Jedi was, you know, had it's had some moments in it that I, it's not that I didn't like the characters. I liked the characters. I felt like they were like a little bit, I feel like the director was a little bit playing with you in a not nice way when he kept hinting that like, you're going to find out who's raised parents are the whole thing. And Oh, I listen, turn off now. If you let's just say spoiler, he, spoiler, he toys with you over a big reveal that is not, and that's, <laughs> that's not cool. Like if you don't think that it's important information, don't toy with the audience. That's like, you know, that's that's kind of that's kind of crummy, you know, to to like play up your play up your expectation for something, and it's like ah, and the end. Yeah, you were waiting. I was teasing you the whole movie. I'm going to tell you this. Nah, it's, you shouldn't have cared any this whole time. Uh, Why did you care? Why did you care? Um, so, uh, you know, so okay, that that bothered me. But Solo, Solo was a good movie. I mean, you know, yeah, it could have been better. It had some some weak points, but like it was a perfectly fine star Wars movie. Is there fatigue? I think there was a lot in the press said about it. There being fatigue of it. 
I mean, they certainly didn't do a great job of hyping it up because of, I guess, all the drama behind the scenes okay. uh, with them changing directors. I think they have some issues behind the scenes with them changing directors. And I'd be kind of curious to see what the differences were like were and why they feel like they have to keep like they have this level of drama. But like Rogue One was a brilliant movie. It was a great movie. I mean, why? Why not? Why, why, you know, I don't think that people are sick of Star Wars. I really don't. I mean, now they're giving it a little bit of a break. I mean, maybe they should have spaced Solo out so it was released in, like, the fall, the, you know, the holiday time frame of this year rather than six months after mm-hmm. the last one and then a year and a half between them. And maybe they would have been smarter. But, like, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what what they're thinking, but it's not like that movie was an abject failure. And right. Right. Like they couldn't make another one that a lot of people would see. So I don't know. I'm not, uh, you know, I hope, I hope that they're not taking the wrong lesson right. from the negative publicity around solo and the for sure mediocre, but not like horrible. Didn't it do like four or $500 million? I mean, it's not like, yeah, Nobody see it. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a, a commercial failure. It just wasn't the success that they were looking for. Um, but it, it is, like like you said, this may have everything to do with the fact that they're already producing a series for streaming with John Favreau, who obviously most recently has been uh, in charge of at the helm of the Iron Man films. Um, and speaking of. Uh, Marvel also had a bit of a hit this week with, uh, I have no idea what just happened, but my phone next to me started talking, even though it's off. Um, (laughs) that's always bizarre. Anyway, um, uh, there's been some controversy surrounding guardians of the galaxy in particular, the fact that, um, the, the, guy at the helm James Gunn was fired for some tweets from like six years ago seven years ago 2011 I think um and before uh, he was hired for the first one yes um definitely long before he came on for the first one um in fact before Disney even had Marvel I think but uh (laughs) Anyway, uh, so he was fired, and all of the cast has said uh, we're not interested in working with Disney if James Gunn is not involved. And so, essentially, all of the cast have gone on strike. And so, uh, Disney this week has officially said that Volume 3 is, quote, on hold. Which is, uh, if you're not aware, um, is similar to saying... Uh, on a TV show that the series has gone on forced hiatus, which uh, is Hollywood speak for we're trying to figure out how to buy them out of how to get out of their contracts without having to pay them. Um, I don't think that I don't think that Disney has an obligation. You know, I don't know the details of their contracts and I don't think anybody does, but I, I don't think that Disney has an obligation to continue making movies with someone or or, or pay them. Um, I don't think. That they're guaranteed a certain number of films, which I know all of the Marvel ones, uh, the contracts were for a certain number of films. Um, 
some difficulty comes in. It'll be interesting to see how it goes because <laughs> here's the thing. James Gunn ain't coming back, guys. He is already helming the next Suicide Squad for DC. James Gunn's not coming back to Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah. There's no telling what's going to happen there. I mean, I like the first. I like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I liked having them in. Uh, in the in you know, in Avenger uh, in Infinity War. Um, that doesn't, I mean, that sounds like they have a problem with that because the circumstances behind that Uh cast in that film. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I don't think Disney's in any, uh, I don't think Marvel is in any trouble. Nope. Uh, definitely not. Especially when you take into consideration that, um, post infinity war part two, um, a lot of the actors' contracts are up. And by a lot, I mean most. Um, this is going to be the uh, the era of shakeup. Because um, we're going to see Cap change. We're going to see Iron Man change. We're going to see... There's a lot of actors whose contracts are up and are not coming back. Um, and Chris Pratt's contract uh, is up after Volume 3 anyway so mm-hmm. maybe they'll just take take advantage of of the uh the infinity stone and uh do something different with guardians cuz the guardians that we're seeing now are actually the second guardians and we were introduced to the original guardians in volume 2 Ah, you know more about this than Star Wars. Um, <laughs> so anyway, they they uh, could yes, they Sylvester could take advantage Stallone. they could take advantage of the original cast, you know, the original characters maybe, or create a movie only third gen, or you know, who knows? There are a lot of places they yeah. could go with it. The only thing I don't see, I, but yes, know, I know a lot brought, more about this than Star Wars. I know what you said before about Star Wars fatigue. I've been hearing for a couple of years now. When is there going to be superhero fatigue? Uh huh. Why does there have to be? Why? It's not a fidget spinner. <laughs> you know, it's not a fidget spinner. And it's people not, have. And people it's not have like a, it's not like the idea of superheroes is so narrow, right? Yeah, it's the people have been reading superhero stuff right. for thousands of years. Right. Exactly. And not even for, not even for like 80, 90, 100 years. I mean, for thousands of years, because if you look at things like Greek mythology, I was just those are in, in fact superhero stories for their day. So, hence Thor um, being a Marvel character. So <laughs> why? So it's the emergence of like really good quality superhero movies has been like the best thing to happen to the genre. It because in the gra- Earth. To Earth in the last like ten years. In the grand scheme uh, of things, you know, high quality superhero films take up a statistically insignificant amount of time versus the existence of superhero stories. Right. I mean, what about all the people who are reading all the like comics over mm-hmm. and over again? Like, absolutely. 
people have so much fatigue that they can't watch like two or three movies a year. Right. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see fatigue there. So, I mean, you know, I think the worst thing that Marvel could do here is is slow down or or reboot. Yeah, that that I think would be that I think would be a real uh, slap to the fans would be like, oh, this has gotten too complicated. We want to have another Iron Man because Robert Downey Jr. is going away or whatever. So, you know, let's let's do a let's reboot. Let's reboot the whole universe and start over again. Yeah, I think I think they'll they'll continue down the way the the comics do and just keep going. Somebody else, you know, maybe Rhodey takes over, you know. And and you know, with Captain America, it's been three or four Captain Americas. Yeah, absolutely. It's easy enough for for somebody else to go in there because there's no way that that Stark tested the successfully tested the serum only once. Uh, <laughs> well, well, no, no, no. But that's not even it because the um, that's not even it with the Super Soldier Serum because you have um, you know people uh-huh. just don't have it. So like in the comics. I'm spoiling comics for people, but come on. Um, <laughs> in the comics, in the comics, uh, for a while, I mean, really old comics, I should uh-huh. say. Uh, Buck, uh, Bucky took over mm-hmm. for a while yep. as Cap, Cap, and I think currently, although I haven't caught up to the current, but uh, I think Falcon took over as Cap. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, I think it, it's. It, I actually think it's the it reason why uh, uh, Bucky's been around more. I have yeah. a feeling that car- that actor is going to take over, which is fine. He had, he has more. He has, he actually has more film. Um, I think he was signed for like nine movies or something. Uh, Sebastian Stan. So mm-hmm. I don't know, or they could just not focus on that character, those characters for a while, since sure. there's so many other great characters that haven't had a lot of attention yet. Sure. So, yeah, we're gonna see our anyway. We're see our fourth Hulk, but that's a different problem. His contract's up too. Anyway, that is our show. <laughs> uh, for those of you who joined us live, thank you very much. For those of you who are in the chat room and those of you who started following us on certain platforms, we definitely appreciate that. Um, if you're not able to join us live, that's okay. Plugkitslive.com slash subscribe. And uh, you can see all of our shows there and subscribe on various platforms. Uh, if you are an Apple user and you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, please uh, rate the show on there. We love to get that feedback, and obviously ratings uh, help uh, new people find the show as well. So if you'd be willing to do that, we'd appreciate it. Um, I guess uh, Halloween's in a couple of days, so uh, I know we have a lot of cosplay-type people who enjoy the show. Uh, definitely enjoy what is, uh, I guess, amateur cosplay night. <laughs> Uh, it's true. Don't give me that face. Everybody gets to cosplay on on Halloween, and nobody looks at you crazy. It's great. That's that's, that's true. But it's I wouldn't great. say everybody's going out there as an amateur. True, true, true. Um, but like St. Patrick's Day is amateur drinking night. Anyway, because uh, <laughs> it's funny to say. Anyway, uh, so enjoy the holiday, and um, uh, we will be. Oh my goodness. I guess it's two weeks. Uh, we will be at Anime EY. Speaking of cosplay, um, 
looking forward to that for the next 3000 Brigade show. Uh, but I think next week is uh, business as usual. So on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao. Ciao. Yeah.